Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. Today on The Conversion Show, we have the conversion expert of conversion experts. And I couldn't be more excited to have John McDonald, the founder of The Good, the top conversion rate firm you can find on the market today, and the author of Opting In to Optimization, which I finished yesterday, John. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And I have a plethora of notes for our audience today for the book. Great. And well, from the book, uh, obviously... You know, you've been building the good for going on 10 years now. Mm-hmm. That sound about sound about right? Yeah, it's been, oh, I was just trying to do this math. Uh, in April, it'll be 15 years. 15? 15. 15, yeah. Did you do the unofficial kind of side on the side and made it official? You know, um, I say that. background story here. And the short answer is no. Um, I was working for a management consulting firm running their digital wing and the firm uh, was getting acquired and I was part of leadership team. So I knew what was coming down the line. I knew that the company that was acquiring us was much bigger and had a large digital team. So I saw the writing on the wall in terms of, you know, I was either going to get absorbed and be a number in a large corporation or um, our team was just going to, going to be a casualty of the, of the merger or acquisition. So I took my, uh, let's just call it earnings from the, from the, the acquisition and use that as seed money to, to start my own, uh, consultancy. Sweet. So maybe I was off with the LinkedIn. So, uh, in terms of years, <laughs> maybe last yeah. time we talked. Well, I did a whole bunch of freelance prior. Uh, okay. That's what I was consulting on the side and, um, but not, as the good, uh, it was more just me personally, and so I had a lot of industry connections through through that. I did a, a lot of um, large brand work uh, on the side, uh, you know, back in back in the days. Well, so as we jump into the your book here, you know, it, to me there's a, a couple um, concepts that stood out, mm-hmm. and the first one is one that I I couldn't feel stronger and more passionate about is that. Customer experience and conversion optimization is, as you say, a one-way street. Mm-hmm. It's almost one and the same. You can't have one without the other. Right. And this is this is a basic concept that I really feel like you and I, for the last, you know, we've been doing Justina for twelve years. Yeah. We've been really fighting for. And I love how you've articulated it into a digestible book. Mm-hmm. And I know you work with all, you know, looking at your, your website, the good, you have a lot of incredible content on there. And I'm sure it's all a 
you know, my question is, is the book a collective of everything? You know, how did you shape so much into a concise story? Yeah. So the goal with, you know, this is my second book and the goal with the first book was super tactical right? What are the things you should be doing if you want to optimize your site or run a successful e-com site? And this book was, you know, sitting in COVID, I was like, what is, what's the one thing I can do that's going to make a meaningful impact? I have all this extra time, right? Um, we, you know, I'm not traveling. I wasn't doing the speaker circuit. I wasn't, you know, I just found that I had all this extra time and I said, okay, I could, you know, sit around and do nothing with this, or I could take this opportunity, who knows how long we're going to be stuck in this. And so I could take this opportunity and have something that I'm going to be proud of on the way out. And so what I decided to do at that point was write a book. And I didn't write a one, I did not want to write another tactical book. Because as you said, we've been writing content for a decade plus up on our site, we do 2000 words a week, plus multimedia content, video, podcasts, etc. So there's a, you know, an encyclopedia of optimization up on, on our site. I didn't want to just regurgitate that. I really wanted to make something that was more theory, more, what are the, what are the laws of conversion optimization that you should be following? And so that was the idea behind the book was what are, if I took all of the content we've written for 10 years and the learnings that we've, you know, been doing for even longer than that and turned it into, um, you know, some core laws, what would those be? And so that was how I started was just really high level. Um, you know, what are the things that if you want to be successful in, uh, you know, conversions on generally e-commerce, what do you need to be to know? And that brings me to the law that you just mentioned, right? You, from a very high level, so many brands try to, uh, force conversions without having a better user experience. And you just can't, they're going to go hand in hand. Um, there's so many people out there trying to do, we'll call them like black hat techniques and they just don't work. Um, or they leave a negative impression with the consumer about the brand and it creates, creates more challenges than it solves. We are having these conversations internally and, uh, the way I, I related it to I was that you know in college we we're learning Photoshop in one of our design classes, and you learn the tool. You know you go to class you had eight to you know eleven, right. you know lab session where you know we're learning layers, filters, everything, which is great. You got to learn the tool, mm-hmm. but that tool is just a tool unless you have the design theory yes. behind it, and. This conversion theory is still new. You know, I feel like it's this, we're in an exciting time right now because, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned, you know, marketing ends when the visitor gets to the site. Mm-hmm. You know, marketing's done their job. They built their ICPs. They know who they are, what, where they are, targeted them and brought them into the site. It's now our job to convert that visitor. Right. And... We think, you know, with the way the market is right now, with cost and, you know, with a renewed focus on retention and profit, the time is now for conversion and that focus on customer experience. You have uh, your 
Can you expand, start and then expand on your jar concept? Ah, yes. <laughs> I love this saying. Um, high level, the saying is that you, it's impossible, it's very, very difficult for brands to read the label from inside the jar. And what I mean by that is as a brand, for you to optimize your own site is near impossible. And that really is, goes to the root that it's impossible for you to understand what it's like for a new to file customer who just reached your site. Maybe they clicked on an ad, heard from you from a friend, um, did a Google search, whatever it might be. They ended up at your site and they have no preconceived notions other than what they just learned to click on to get there. And they have no idea what products you sell. They don't know how you're gonna go about solving their pain or need. But as a brand internally, you know all of your products. You know where to go on your site to find the right product. You, um, you know your navigation in and out. And the challenge is just that you're stuck inside the jar, right? You can't see that label, what it's like for somebody who just walks up to the jar and says, are you going to be able to help me? And so there are really only two ways to get out of that jar. Uh, the first is you can build a ladder and climb out, but that means that you really need to um, have a good understanding of the consumer and start developing roles at your on your team and at your company that are focused on being outside the jar all the time. So they're out there talking to consumers, talking to customer service teams. They are not worried about product marketing. They're not worried about how you're getting people to the site necessarily. Um, and, you know, it really requires somebody to take a step back from how most e-commerce brands are set up internally with their roles. The second option is to hire somebody to lower a rope down and help pull you out. And that's, that's what we do at the good. Right. Um, but the challenge I see is that most brands are asking their e-commerce manager to do way too much. They're asking one role in their company to be in charge of driving traffic, to be in charge of converting that traffic, be in charge of merchandising, to be in charge of all the content on the site. And it's near impossible for one person to A, be good at all of those roles, but also B, to be able to take a step back and keep that perspective of what it's like for a new, new to file customer. You know, you bring up uh, in the book as well, by the way, I feel like, so I, I highly recommend anyone who's on audible. Um, when I say, I don't know if I use the word read your book, I finished your book because yes. I'm a big well, audible you, user. You listen these days. to me read it then. If you yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm listening, <laughs> I'm working out and doing my stretch and <laughs> physical therapy right now. So, um, you know, it, it come this this is an initiative and anyone who's listening that has to come from leadership the company itself has to be customer centric and we can look at you know amazon as the pinnacle of customer obsessed hmm. and you know for all the, the the pitfalls of amazon you know the benefits is we can learn from them and replicate using all the new apps integrations technologies mm -hmm at hand for digital marketers to do their best to replicate that experience yeah. on I mean, their site. The thing, I mean, Amazon has 
a massive team of people doing nothing but optimizing their site. And down to, you know, you've probably heard of the, the test they did a long time ago where they changed the background color. And the way they did it was um, they ran a test and they determined that a, like a, a, a darker, I think it was, background color, maybe lighter, but it's yours now. They went from one shade to a, a let's just call it darker shade. And what they found on the test was increased trust. So people liked the darker color. I don't know why there was a correlation with trust. I'm sure they, they figured that out. But what they decided to do was instead of just changing it the next day to be darker and then disrupting the user experience where people who came to the site all the time would be like, whoa, hold on. This is a different site. Am I in the right spot? Now I don't trust Amazon. Am I on? I'm starting to, to look and see, am I on the right site? Because it's a completely different look. What they did is they took, you know, there's hex colors, right? They took it and they changed one bit every day over the course of a year to get it to transition gradually to that darker color that they wanted. And so as people were coming back to the site, they didn't recognize it as much, right? And so that's a good case study on user experience and optimization of, you know, when you are really customer obsessed, you're concerned that you are going to disrupt somebody's trust their usual way of engaging with your brand because you've made a change as seemingly innocuous as a background color, right? And, but you're concerned about that. And that's where you know their customer obsessed, it's accurate. Even though it's not always the best user experience, it is they do have um, more dialed in than, than you or I could even comprehend over time. Well, and I think in the next few years, our job is to help bring that experience to our consumers, to our customers. And you, you talk about, you know, how trust in your book, you talk about, you know, as we understand our customer and their needs and, you know, as a store owner, our own direct customers, our, their need is clear. We need them to convert. But as a cut, when a customer lands on your site, that showing that empathy, that you understand that they don't care when they land for the first time, they don't care about 10% off, you know, they care about, does this company care about shipping? Mm. <laughs> do they make it easy to do returns? Do they care about me and my needs? And you have your three W's, the, the, can, can you speak on, on that aspect of the customer experience? Well, I think you're right. And that they, all consumers care about is, can you solve their pain or need, right? Something led them to your site that says, I believe I can solve your pain or need. And was it an ad they clicked on, a referral, Google search, all those things I talked about earlier, right? The, the, the complicating challenge for here is that most, especially direct-to-consumer brands, want to talk about themselves. And so a consumer gets to the site and they say, okay, how are you gonna solve my pain or need? And instead the navigation is full of things like about us our story, um, you know, blog, things like that that aren't helpful to solving the consumer's problem. So I think you hit it on the head, you know, when people immediately come to a site and they throw a pop-up in front of them, you know, it's a, it's a disruptive experience to me trying to solve my pain or need. And you're right, I don't care about the price at that point because, you know, reality is I'll pay more than I'm comfortable with if I know that you can solve my pain or need and I'm not going to have that problem again, right? So 10% off is 
devaluing the brand to me right off the bat. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a disruptive experience. I mean, imagine if we walked into a retail store and it's this sales associate jumped out in front of us with a, with a clipboard and said, give me your email address. You're going to have a negative experience, right? You're, you're going to say, well, hold on. I just walked in. How do I know I want to give you my info? But that's what we do to people every day. And just because we can't see the consumer on the other side of the screen doesn't make them not human. We need to treat them like humans. Well, it's, it's the art of retail, which I feel like has been partially lost with e-commerce. Mm-hmm. If, you talk, if you speak with anyone that has brick and mortar experience, which I spent years in brick and mortar as well, um, it's like, how do we replicate? How do we take the positives from that and bring that to the mm-hmm. online experience? Yes. You know, and if you think about a mall, it's like if you walk through a mall, you people in their windows do have their monthly promotions up. You know, it's like, you know, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Maybe that's the next sale. Yeah. I love to use like the grocery store. There's always the aisle for the upcoming yes. holiday. <laughs> you know? But, you know, you you broke it down. A good example in your book of when someone walks in, they may ask the clerk, hey, where are the nails? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you people come in with a need and you want to guide them to where they need to get to. And And it's bringing in that basic, thought and art of retail into that online experience. And I think, again, that goes back to understanding that it's a human on the other side of the screen. And if you are just treating them like a number in Google Analytics or you're treating them like a conversion, you're going to, instead of trying to help somebody find the right nail for their task, you're going to say, you don't need nails. Here's the screws. Go. Right? Because you want the sale. And you're like, but a screw does the exact same thing that a, a nail does, right? So, you know, why not just take this and go? I was, you know, your book was so inspiring. It had me thinking back to like shopping experiences. And, you know, I did my research. We bought a, a trampoline for the, the, the kids and I did all my research. Sounds and like I that. knew I was looking for the safest trampoline. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with a spring-free trampoline. And it is the, the, you go to their website and it has all the answers for you. Mm. Even a video from the founder talking about how passionate he was about making the safest trampoline. So like the trust they built, they, they understood what I was looking for when I got to their site. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly it. You know, I think you make a great point here about a brand should not be trying to sell to everybody. They should be trying to sell to the person that has the pain point or need that they solve. And too many direct-to-consumer brands are saying, hey, our products are good for everybody. And that's, you know, when you lose that niche, you essentially have a hard time putting an ideal customer profile together. You You end up having so many other problems. And this brings me back to should you even be doing optimization? Because if you don't have a great product market fit and you can't get people to your site and have them purchase in a way that is profitable for you as a brand, you shouldn't be looking to ramp that up. And conversion optimization is not going to solve those problems for you. Too many people, too many brands 
approach conversion optimization as this last ditch effort to make their brand work. And it's really meant to be fuel on the fire. It's not meant to um, be the thing that's going to solve the brand for you. It, it's one of those things in business. I always say it's like everyone wants to like just get, you know, they want the hockey stick. Yeah. But to build a sustainable business, you have to have that core understanding of your customer and the profiles and just iterate and build and enhance and build and enhance and build and enhance. Before you know it, you get the snowball effect Yes. or your flywheel that you, you talk about. It's an iterative experience, right? Where one question I had written down was, I was curious is when you work with clients that, that, that come to you, where do you start with building these customer profiles for the, the website visitor profile versus the marketing profile? Well, two, two ways to do that. One is again, most of the brands that are approaching us are going to have some idea because if they are a good fit client for us and we've already engaged with them, um, and you know, really the role of our sales here at the good myself included is to make sure that we're only allowing clients in that, that are good fit clients that we can help. Um, and that means that if they've made it past that barrier, one of the checks is that they know who their ideal customer is, right? They have a niche, they know they can describe that person. And I'm not talking about a, you know, this is Jimmy from, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, who, you know, is 30 to, to 40 and makes this much money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, this is a person who has, who was looking for the safest trampoline. That is our client base. Doesn't matter if they are 75 years old or 17, they want the safest. And so what you're going to do there is you can now redirect all your messaging, everything else towards that. And you can go out and start conducting some research against that. Hey, I'm looking for, you know, I want to do user testing on folks who um, are looking for safe um, kid activities for their family, right? Or safe family activities or, um, you know, family activities that, um, are going to be safe, right? So you start combining that need with the ideal customer profile, and then you can bring that into your optimization activities. Um, but if you aren't able to identify that, you just say, I'm looking for anyone who wants a family activity to do, you know, active family activity, you can get everything from, you know, yard bowling to, um, to throwing darts. I mean, you know, it's like you, you, who knows, right? So that's external marketing, ICP, bringing them in. Do you go, do you break it into deeper? Well, let's talk about actually as they're on the site, their needs, once they're there say, you know, do they care about shipping? Mm -hmm. Do, you know, reviews, um, you know, key elements to people's buy decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where, you know, you could break data down in optimization, I guess any data, into qualitative and quantitative, right? So when you're talking quantitative, you're going to talk about um, analytics and where you're able to, to group people and segment lists based on their analytic data that you might have, right? Um, heat maps, click maps, scroll maps, engagement data of that way. But you also want to know the other side of that, which is what people are thinking as they go through your site. Because what they're actually doing is it's a lagging indicator. 
it they've already had a thought and then that took them that, that had them take an action and so you want to get a step ahead of that and that's where the the qualitative stuff around user testing can really come in right or things like talking to customer experience teams. So when we've worked with teams, one of the things we've done there is, um, is have customer service teams fill out a brief questionnaire every time they have a call. And we're not asking them to spend 30 minutes doing this. It's a two-minute task of, hey, you just got off the phone with somebody. What, what was their pain point? Describe it in a sentence. Why they called. Uh, what did they try to do to help themselves? Um, were they on the website at all? And, um, and then tell us anything else you want to know. Those four questions alone can tell you so much about, you know, why. So a good example for this is Easton baseball. Um, if you're familiar, if you have a kid in little league or, uh, you follow the college world series, you know, about Easton, they, they're one of the major sponsors for little league world series. And, um, most college baseball swings are done with their, their bats they um, had an issue where you went on their site and it was just a wall of bats. Every picture of a bat looks the same in a thumbnail. You know, when you go to a category page and they all look exactly the same, they might have a little bit of different colors, but you can't tell what's going to be best for your child, let alone Little League has several certifications. So your bat has to be certified and stamped with that certification or you can't use it. And so what kept happening was um, parents would call in and say, hey, I bought this bat. I need to return it because it's not certified for my kid and or for the kids league. Well, they had already used it in batting practice prior to the game. And then they would get up to play and the umpire would say, hey, that bat's not certified. You can't use it. So now they already have a scuffed up bat. The paint's all scuffed up, right? Who knows what else has happened to that bat? Um, so Easton doesn't want to take those back, but to be good customer service, they would do it. Well, it was also extremely frustrating for the parents because they'd go online and, and they had no way to truly understand what, what type of bat they should buy for their child. So what we, analytics is not going to tell us that at all, right? It would have never told, it would just told us people go in, they search a little bit, they find a bat talking to customer service, however, we were able to figure out that was a major pain point. So now we need to put a bat finder together to help parents very easily filter down to the bat that is going to be best for their child. You know, it's, it's one of those observation rules, you know, leadership needs to just come in and observe as much as possible. I remember, you know, Zappos, they would always put your, your first week on the job, you would sit in customer support and chat. Um, and you know, you, you had, um, you, you mentioned, was it Caitlin Borgen from customer camp? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if you want to double your sales, double learning about your customers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a strength, a competitive advantage of direct consumer brands. You speak mm -hmm. a lot about it, you know, because there, there's less, there's such a, generally it's a product that people are still very passionate about. You know, it's like, they're, they're hands-on and control and they can speak directly to their consumers. And so I think they're at an incredible advantage along with higher margins. And then if you get into, you know, we, you talk about creative promotions and those type of things, mm -hmm. it's like they have the margin to do giveaways, you know, doesn't dilute the brand actually is a great way to engage with first time visitors. Yeah. 
to capture that first and zero party data. Yeah. Yeah. Too many brands uh, hit the easy button and just start offering a dollar a percentage off. And I challenge brands to flip that instead of taking something away, add value, add something. So don't subtract dollars or percent instead add more value how can you do that well free gift with purchase you just mentioned right um you know you could do um you know if you buy a bundle you get a a better price but you're adding more into that order right uh well, free shipping is a big one right um, the the free adding. gift one mm -hmm. is the talk about perceived value you know at full full retail prices that perceived value, but to the manufacturer, their cost yes. is, you know, far less. So they can be giving the, the, the marketing dollar value gain by doing a giveaway mm -hmm. is so powerful. And the, the shipping one drives me nuts. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, what I, I think the concept I'm trying to communicate is to customers is let think about your marketing dollars differently. Mm. Like take shipping and put it in your marketing budget. If it's the number one reason people don't convert on your website, consider if you're not, you know, a free shipping, please. But if not, you know, there's a tolerance level, but you can offer upgraded shipping. Mm -hmm. So instead of ground offer free three day shipping. Right. And if, if they're in your geographic region within 300 miles, you can get it to them next day Yeah, for the cost of ground. Right. <laughs> the, there's so much that can go into that as an opportunity that so many brands aren't even, they haven't even started optimizing any of that. They're hitting, again, they're hitting the easy button. Yep. And I'm a firm believer with optimization that there are so many things that, are meaningful little things like that that are really meaningful that if you do well all the big stuff will fall into place and too many brands are worrying about the really big stuff that they overlook all of these items and and what happens is they're you know they they miss the boat they don't get profitable customers because they're only worried about driving traffic they just say hey you know what i'm just going to make sure i get 100,000 people to my site this week from facebook and google and somebody will buy and we'll be fine right who is who is the profile of that creative you know that client of yours that is creative that will listen to you yeah. you know, or, or that you're, you're like, oh man, you're pushing the limits, you know? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's a couple of things that we've found over the years can really set a brand up for success with optimization. And we typically only work with brands that, that are doing these things. Um, first is obviously some limiters. You have to have enough traffic to, to do optimization with, right? And that's a that's twofold. It's not just to have traffic to do things like A-B testing with a reasonable um, level of, of, you know, some would call statistical significance. I call it confidence, right? Um, the second thing is that they need to have um, their ICP, uh, you know, defined, as I talked about. They need to be able to sell with a decent margin because we can increase revenues, but we can't fix their margin problems. 
in most cases. We can inf- influence that margin by having, you know, figuring things out like less discounting, right, um, and, and helping them figure those things out. Um, additionally, we need brands who, um, who aren't afraid to um, go against the norm. What I mean by that is if a brand is just going to go out and say, hey, all of our competitors are doing X, we need to do X as well, probably not going to be a good fit. Um, there's a whole chapter in the book to this around competitive analysis and, and how um, there's an illustration at the beginning of a chapter of some racehorses and they all have blinders on. And then there's a gentleman on one of the a jockey on his laptop and he's got blinders on too. And that's exactly it. It's the reason that racehorses wear blinders, right? If you're looking at all of your competition, you're never going to get ahead. And part of that is because you're spending too much time looking at them instead of worrying about your customers. So brands need to be worried about the customer experience and want to improve the customer experience, not just convert people. Because if you just want to convert people, I mean, we could go do that today. Just lower all your prices to a penny and you'll convert a lot of people. You won't make any money or make a whole bunch of false promises and claims. Um, Do a lot of black hat type of techniques and you can get people to convert. Uh, They won't ever come back and you'll ruin your, your brand reputation. You know, it's this consumer psychology understanding. I think back to like up in your, your neighborhood, Hydroflask. I, you know, I think people want to support brands directly, Yes, but they're making it so difficult at times. Like I bought Flask and it took them 10 days to even ship it to me, yeah. you know, it, and it's that operational exact, you know, like leadership arm of things mm-hmm. too. What are, you know, if you are in that leadership role, what advice might you have to not, let's say not the comm manager, but maybe the, you know, CEO or, yeah. you know, you know, the person, you know, I, my advice always is shop your site like a customer. Yeah. That's my, it's very hard to do that going back to in the jar. Right. Yeah. Uh, the good example of this is, um, we had a major, uh, a major printer company that we worked with. And one of the things that we found was we went in and we found that, um, consumers just wouldn't purchase because they couldn't find the right printer for their needs very easily. And we they were getting very, very frustrated. We were doing session recordings, we we're doing user testing. And every time we could see that they would need a couple of specific features. It would need to be a networked printer. It was for a specific office environment, needed to be able to be controlled remotely, whatever it may be. And the challenge was that um, consumers would get in and they would say, this is just I'm, I'm just going to call like CDW or zones or any of these major things who can just walk me through this instead of buying directly, even though they went directly to the site to try to buy it because they knew they wanted a trusted brand. And we sat in a meeting with some senior leadership and we said, this is the problem and we need to help you fix this problem. And this is where we think we should start our work together. And they said, no, this is how we've always done it. We're a you know, billion-dollar company because of this. We're not going to change that. And I said, okay, um, give me a week. Can we come back in a week? And I bet I can change your mind. And they said, I mean, sure. If you can change your mind, you can have the engagement. I said, okay. So we went and we did a bunch of user testing. 
And what I did was we, we took all the user testing and we put clips together of consumers getting frustrated. And they, you know, with you, true user testing, they should be speaking out loud about what they're thinking, their experience, right? They should be trained to, to, on how to do that. So these consumers are all saying, man, I, I just want to find a networked printer. Just show me where I can find this networked printer. It's not that hard, right? And things like that kept coming up. So we clipped about you know three minutes of video together. And then what we did is we edited that clips to put a dollar figure down in the, mm. in the corner. It was like a little ticker. Every time somebody was looking at a range of printers and <laughs> the average price of that printer, we would just add to that ticker. And the price just, you know, it just kept going up. Well, that's how you you figured out how to speak to the CEO. Exactly. The money sign. <laughs> yes. And so we went back and we said, look, like, well, just watch this video. Just watch this. These are your consumers who are getting super frustrated and it's costing you money. And they watched that video. We got about a minute and a half in, about halfway through the video. And they said, okay, stop. Let's fix the problem. And all it took was empathy, right? And that's a hard thing to have because... They're looking at numbers instead of that consumer side. But if you can connect that human on the other side of the screen and the money it's costing you to not treat them like a human, you will speak to the executives. Great, great response breakdown, which brings up the really the major problem that you and I have been facing being in the conversion space for the last mm -hmm. 10 plus years is this spending gap on driving traffic to conversion. Yeah. What's the hope and inspiration that this gap we're going to we're going to continue to work away at it so that mm -hmm. businesses, digital marketers, companies, leadership are going to really take conversions seriously. Mm. Well, I you know, part of me is concerned that to get there, I feel like conversion optimization has to become a commodity in the same way that driving traffic is. And as much as I don't want to be a participant in a commoditized industry, um, I do think that as more, con more brands start to understand that just driving traffic is not a profitable endeavor, that especially as traffic costs are you know, they're varying widely. One week, it, you might be profitable on Facebook. The next week, you're losing money on Facebook. These algorithms are all over the place coming out of COVID. Um, iOS 14 killed a lot of those things, right? So we're starting to see it, you know, level off a little bit. But I think, and rightfully so, brands are nervous about just driving traffic. So I think we're in an era of conversion optimization where, Brands are looking for a solution and they're starting to find conversion optimization. Now, where it gets confusing is that conversion optimization means something different to everybody. And every brand is saying, we'll solve your conversion problems or every uh, service provider, but they're all doing it in a very different method, right? Both of our companies do conversion optimization as a high level, but we approach it differently. And so both are valid. Both work, but you know we're both under that umbrella of conversion optimization, and that you know that's where it's um, a challenge because when you say driving traffic, you know there's a few main ways you're going to drive traffic, but you say optimize for conversions, and there's like a laundry list of ways that we can make that happen. Um, so which you know which way should a, a brand 
um, go. And that's hard. That's where they get hung up, I think, and where most brands get nervous and, and then decide to just not not tread those waters because they don't know what's in it. I think the message is stay tuned because mm. we're in, I think we're in the middle of presenting this guide and John, I'm, I'm really excited with 2023 because yeah. I think, I think the time's now. Yeah, I agree. Happen. I agree. I think we're, we're at the point where people, you know, I tell our team all the time, we're never going to tell somebody they have a conversion problem. Convincing them they have a conversion problem is a dead end road. A brand is going to come to us and they're going to say, I have a conversion problem and I found you as an option for how I can solve those. That is going to be where we're going to get our new business from. It's not going to be from us going out and sending, you know, uh, spam emails and saying, hey, you, you probably noticed your conversion rate's low. Yeah, a brand who knows they have a low conversion rate is going to want to solve that. And, you know, or they've tried and failed or they waited those waters I was just talking about, got really confused and just backed out of the room slowly because they were like, this is way too much. I don't even know where to start. So if we can help brands by providing education, things like writing this book, by putting out great content every week to help educate the community, eventually they're going to realize we have a problem here. We want to solve that problem. They're motivated. And then they get a hold of us. Uh, and that's really the truly only way that I think we're going to grow a sustainable business. Great stuff. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, well, John, we're at the 45 minute mark, which uh, statistically, you know, just like promotions and discounts yeah. amounts, you don't want to go over or under a certain amount. <laughs> well, I could talk about this stuff all day. As you know, I, I know. did write a book that was a couple hundred pages on this. I love to love to have these conversations. So anytime, happy to, to chat. No, very inspiring. And again, I, I, I encourage, if you haven't been inspired listening to John currently during this podcast, highly recommend either downloading, purchasing his book, um, John McDonald, the good.com. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me.